1: This is the Real Lives Untold podcast with myself, Trina O'Connor and myself, Sarah O'Connor. We are focusing on all things crime and human interest. We're creating a space for people to tell their stories, the raw, unedited version.
2: Our guest this week is Mihal Campbell, whose 22 year old only daughter Kira was murdered by her ex boyfriend in front of her four year old son in November 2007. Following months of stalking and threatening to kill Kira after she ended their relationship that year, Gordon Malloy from Ballock Moiler in County Leash broke into her home and lay in wait for her. He stabbed her 27 times. Kira's parents, Mihal and Paddy, have met with the parole board to object to the murderer's third application for release. They firmly believe that he will kill again if allowed out. Mihal, thank you so much for joining us on the Real Lives Untold podcast today. I know that you've travelled to get here and I know that you want to raise a number of uh, issues and, and raise awareness with the public in relation to your... Beautiful Daughter's Murder back in 2007. And Trina isn't in studio today. She's online. So you're going to have to bear with us a little bit in terms of technicalities. But we really are are glad that you're here today. I know that you spoke to Stephen Breen again in The Sun and he has has written so many articles um, in support of your cause and your case since Kira's murderer was sent to prison. Mm -hmm. Can we maybe go back again to before this happened to to what Kira was like and what her life was like before she met Gordon Malloy.
0: Well Kira was only twenty two. She just turned twenty two when Gordon Malloy killed her, murdered her in her own the sanctuary of her own home. Uh, she had a beautiful boy called Jamie who was only four years old at the time of this murder. Uh, she had just recently started college. She was kind of getting her act together as you would say, she had a lovely little house at home, She, Jamie had just started junior infants, she had a part time job in the mornings, she was doing a little bit of work and I think it was pennies or whatever, doing a bit of cleaning and she'd leave Jamie to school and then she'd go to college and then she'd collect Jamie, just an ordinary girl going on, yeah. as we call her already, she was 22, she was a young woman but she was our little girl and mm-hmm. uh, she was just getting on with her own life and doing the best she could and... Then and she, do
2: you remember when she met Gordon Malloy?
0: I remember the first time I I, I met Malloy, myself and Ciara were to go to a, a Wolf Tones concert in uh, Carlow Town. And it would have been July of 2000, it could have been 2006 actually. And uh, it was for my birthday and uh, my wife Patty she uh, she took me into Carlow Town to meet Ciara. We met Ciara at the house and Malloy was sitting outside and Ciara came out and gave me a big hug and a kiss. And the first thing he turned around, he said to Ciara, Who's that? All right. You know, and that was my first impression. Of how obsessive, or
2: right?
0: You know, it, was, it just it couldn't, he was. I couldn't be obsessive with whoever he was. I just I was in shock that she, that was his reaction when someone I know hugged hugged my daughter. You know, oh, oh my god! Yeah, innocent. that was the first impression I got of him. Uh,
2: so there was kind of a red flag raised. Oh, there was you, you did indeed. have your reservations there, there about
0: him? Yeah, and sure after some months then. Uh, that he moved in with Kira and the, the relationship was just on a rocky road from the start. They were, like, they were, they were yeah. kind of, there was fighting and all going on. He's a, he was obsessive, possessive. He was just, you know, he, he was actually violent towards Ciara. Like yeah. You know, it was, it was just a rocky oh relationship. Kira wanted out of it. And by June, June 2007, maybe July, it was around that time, Kira ended the relationship
2: and I know that, Trina, I'm just going to bring Trina in here because, Trina, we've spoken to a, new, a number of people in relation to domestic violence cases, haven't we? And, and raising awareness about those red flags is so important. I know that you have some questions for Mihal.
1: Yeah, Mihal. I think, what was in Malloy on bail at the time of Kiwi's murder? Do you know what that was for?
0: Yeah, well, we, we were actually just talking about this uh, last week. Uh, we actually found, myself and my wife, Paddy, we, we found some articles, well, Paddy found it, to be honest, some emails we actually had from back then. Malloy was actually convicted of uh, ABH, uh, some kind of... Assault. Assault on two boys in Carlow town. There was some kind of feud going on or fight going on, and Malloy went down the town and with socks, took the balls out of a pool table and put them into the socks right. and attacked these two wow. fellas. And so were, again, really yeah.
2: co- thought out, maybe in the he, moment, but no, still thought out in terms yeah, of what he's like,
0: doing. Why would you bring a sock in the, into the town an empty sock? You yeah. know. But uh, we find out then actually he actually had previous three other previous for some kind of assaults as well. Right before that, so so he he was up in court, and I remember Kira saying, Kira was delighted he was found guilty because this was around the time she wanted the end of relationship, and okay. she, it was getting close. She knew." She was she was getting rid of him. She, she she was just working on it daily, day by day. She was asking us for advice how to go about it. And she rang me and she says, "My life's found guilty of the ABH, and I think he was given five years, but it was it was it was say suspended, suspended oh. or it was probated oh, or something on surety of money. So
2: history, uh, like a yeah. serious history so, of violence yeah, there. Yeah, and he'd also stalked, yeah, another
0: woman. He had stalked another true? woman. Yeah, yeah." Yeah, and the, the the girl's mother actually related that to me in person. Now, and that's only we only found that out recently. Yeah. So
1: Trina. Yeah, and and I suppose Michal like many of the victims that we speak to of domestic violence, will speak to this that they were stalked, that they were coercively controlled. But unfortunately, in Kira's situation, the the horror of horrors for you as a family, um, and what he did, he premeditated. And um, maybe you might speak to that night that you were at the house when he was hiding in the house and you weren't aware of that. What? What a horror!
0: Yeah, well, as I said, that was the next morning. Jamie had spent the uh, the night with us. Uh, that would have been what the eleventh night, eleventh of November. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was to leave him, and Paddy had gone on to work the next morning to go to Dublin, and I was to leave Jamie in around half seven because I was to start work about twenty past nine, and uh, I'd already agreed with Kira that. Be at the house around ten to eight, but at this stage, you know, we you know, we we only found things out in stages, Tina, and we only found out months later, maybe, maybe a year later, that Kira, hadn't really been staying at home at all. We knew she would met new friends in St Catherine's College, where she just recently started attending, mm-hmm. but we knew we didn't realize, you know, how often she wasn't staying in her own house. Because of the threats from Malloy that, so, he, that he had threatened to kill her, like in public, and her friends actually testified to that in in at the murder trial. So
2: this was going on for. This was going on
0: say from I, well, she finished with him around June or July. I'm not okay. exactly sure, yeah. but there's three or four months of complete stalking, following her, maybe leaving the car outside the house on purpose, not even being around the house, but leaving the car there, sitting outside the car, drinking with the music on full blast, you know, uh, we know that he broke into the house at least twice, oh and the third time was uh, when the, day, the night he broke in, and he spent the night in the house waiting for her to come back because he knew that uh, she was away with her friends. So that was the morning I came back with Jamie around ten to eight, and I knocked the door and there was no answer from Kira. Yeah, and uh, so I started banging on the door, banging on the door, and I heard a noise. <clears throat> I banged the door at least three times, and I definitely heard like a shuffling noise. And I opened the letterbox, I even shouted in to Kira, uh, shouted their name, and there was no answer. But I i was still, I actually think I said to Jamie, I jumped back into the car, and I'm nearly sure I said to Jamie, I said, I think your mommy's in there. So I said to myself, I'd, I'd ring her. But I didn't know at the time, obviously, that that was my lawyer, the other side of the door. Okay. Well, I was standing at the other so he was so he was obviously just two to three inches away from me through a door with a machete in his hand.
2: And Kira was where?
0: Kira was in her friend Tara's house. Okay. I, I think it was Tara's now. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so I actually, I rang Kira then. And I was actually I was I, I still at the I Was still sitting in the car with the car door open. And Jamie was in the front in his uh, seat, his car seat. Yeah. And uh, I actually hadn't even shut the door. I actually had the driver's door open and I had my feet out onto the street on the phone. I can still picture it. And Kira answered. She's daddy I'll be there in five minutes. I says, mm. "Where are you?" Says, well, actually, it could have been Adele's Dale's house, <laughs> but she was in one of her friend's house, anyway, and yeah.
2: just,
0: and she came with the tax. She came in a taxi, and uh, of course, I was in the panic. Just as any normal daily routine, have to be at work for twenty past nine. Here you go, and uh, so give her a hug, and I says, "I'll see you later, love." And she goes, "I'll see you, dad." And I says, we'll, t- "We'll chat later." And I handed it over to Jamie, and she, she took Jamie, and she even she even had Jamie's shoes in her hand G- Jamie had this thing about every time he came to our house he felt secure he always ha- he, the first thing he ever did when he came to our house was he kicked his shoes off wow yeah uh, he was he's, but he wouldn't, wouldn't have done that in his own house if he saw Malloy's Carter. car there right so he had because he was felt secure he had his shoes off so Kira had Jamie in one hand the shoes in the other and then she had to open the door but at this stage I was gone so she had no defence. She had no way of defending herself. She probably had maybe the key in her mouth or a shoe, both shoes and Jamie in on one hand and the key on the other. God. But she went into through that door and he was waiting for her.
2: And that was, at, you said, 10 to 8? Around eight to 10, 8, the 5,
0: the yeah, because I was back. Actually, because the, when the guards the, the guards asked me where I went after it, and I, I actually went into the local centre to buy the newspaper. So they checked the cameras and it was around 10 past 8. I was in the shop. Which I was not too far from Kara's house, so so it was around ten. He at five. He so when I was waiting for
2: he was and and what we know from afterwards, uh, what happened then? I know this is really difficult to go through, yeah. and I'm sure the fact that he put you through a trial and the trauma of that as well is horrific.
0: Mm. So the whole thing's horrific, and it'll never go away. But the fact was that day, like just to go back to that and everyone, Paddy was at work, I was at work. Jamie was spent six hours lying under a quilt upstairs. Terrified. Didn't move. God. And Kara was lying, murdered. You know, and that's just how quick it all happened. Everything was fine at five to eight. And then yeah, the next thing I, just, left. I, I did. My days, I did my day's work. Yeah. And didn't know a thing till I got home and there was the guards waiting inside the house for me. And what
2: time was that? It was half oh, three. That was
0: half I was just three. stripped into the house at half three. And I knew... I knew that day, and I saw the, there was two tall men in the yard and the plain clothes detectives, and one of them was looking over the gate, and the dogs were out the back barking at them. And I knew they was stuffing up and introduced themselves. And Frank Stevenson, uh, the detective, says to me, says there's been a murder." He didn't know. He didn't say. He didn't tell me then, but I was able to turn around and Care "Is murdered and Doug Gordon Malloy murdered?" That was my words back to him. Yeah.
2: Yeah. You know, I away. just
0: knew he said to me there's been an incident in Cardo Town does your daughter live at such and such number two whatever it was and I I, I said sort of no because trying to deny deny what I knew pain. yeah I knew you knew it I knew it's it, it. Yeah. and then I had to, I had to ring Paddy who was on her way from work she was just going down to N7 and I just said I, I need you to pull in I had to tell her on the phone.
1: Sick, my god! So sorry, Mehal. I think, I think, Mihal, Like, what's striking about this is that he tormented your daughter for the last couple of months, and God love her, you know, she should never have had to deal with him because he was on probation. Because he had previous
0: He should have been in jail, Trina. Sorry for interrupting you, yeah.
1: Yeah. No, no, Mihal, I agree with you. I think that's what's so heartbreaking about this. He should have never had the opportunity to do to your baby what he did. And and his system really let your family down. And and can I ask you, how is young Jamie doing? I mean the impact of this. How 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 is he doing?
0: Well, uh, I just don't want to say too much for Jamie now because, to yeah. be honest, I, I I just answer you back with a question, Trina. If any four-year-old witnessed what Jamie witnessed, their own mother stabbed to death 28 times in the sanctuary of the hall of their of their room, of their front hall, sorry, Sitting on the stairs, watched it all, and the last words he heard from his mother was, run, Jamie, run. Would your child or anybody else's child be able to sleep at night? I
2: can't
0: even, I can't imagine. No, the answer is no. Jamie, he's just, like, no, not just Jamie, any any, any child of, of, of any age, obviously, not just four years of age, who witnessed that could never be right, sorry. And that's just the way.
2: Yeah.
0: There's no other, there's no other way of answering that,
2: And you and you and Paddy are so supportive of him, and you you've taken care of him. Oh, so we love him to bits.
0: We were so lucky that we had such a good relationship with him before all this happened. Before Mm -hmm. Malloy did what he did, Uh, Jamie had spent well, sorry, himself and Kira spent the first couple of years of Jamie's life living with us, and then Kira decided she wanted to venture on, and she, she got she started off with a little flat and. Then she got a house, but she always, like, she always came. She was always there for dinner, no matter where she moved out. She, she was always there at the weekends. We were always there for each other. And Jamie was just like a son to us, to be honest, and remind a yeah. grandson. We were just so lucky. We had such a great relationship. And he's lived with us ever since. And he's he's still with us. He's, he'd be 21 in November. And he's a great lad.
1: When when we were speaking earlier there about Malai being on... um been out when he should have been in jail. You, you, you've you, met with Simon Harris about this, haven't you? About what should happen when people um, are convicted and when they get suspended sentences. I mean, did you get much satisfaction from that meeting from uh, the temporary justice minister at the time?
0: Yeah, well, we met with him over uh, about another issue actually, but but we, we took our... Jamie actually went with us, uh, the three of us went with other families on another matter, and just when we had when we had the situation when we had the opportunity, sorry, we 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 talked to them about our case and uh, the trauma we went through and how there was no support for victims' families, and but we also went through what we thought would happen if Malloy ever got out, and we talked about the parole system and how 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 could someone the the time the time Malloy was found guilty in July two thousand and nine. Back then, the rules were that you to apply for parole after seven years. That's right. And uh, we we said to Simon Harris, "That's an absolute disgrace that a person's life, not just our daughter's life, any victim's life, is worth <laughs> you know a lot, lot more than seven years in prison." There's no deterrent there. But we did do a lot of work, especially and you know, my wife was involved, it, and lots of people from Advic and Save and Save you know. Uh, all these organizations, and they met. We met, and re, uh, it's not too long ago, three to four years ago, it was raised to twelve years that a, 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 that a murderer could appeal. Uh, I'm sorry, go out for his on parole, or apply for parole after twelve years, and that's where it stands at the minute. But we said to Simon Harris, like we still believe life should mean life. Uh, like you know, the earliest I would say would be 25 to 30 years before anyone could apply for parole. Yeah. You know, I still think 12 years is far leading. Our care was only 22. And now you have the situation where Gordon Malloy is now on his third his third uh, application for parole. He's only done 16 years in prison. He hasn't even done a year for a year of our daughter's life. Yeah. You know, how, how could, in our eyes, like oh, 12, 12 years... Is still, it's 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 not it's not it's not big enough. Like it should be twenty five at least before anyone gets a chance. And that, I mean a chance, an yeah. application not and to that, get out.
2: That third hearing has has taken place. It has, hasn't it? Yeah. So you're waiting You're at the well, moment, and we'll update mm-hmm. listeners if if that happens before this episode goes out. But mm. you're you're waiting for yeah, the result. Well, we, of that we, we, we did discuss hearing.
0: with Simon too about that. You know, I I found in the be, You know, I found him that he. He was very sympathetic and he listened, yeah. Uh, you know, and he yeah. under he understood. I am telling you, be Jamie there; he understood the pain we were going through. And I don't yeah. mean we as of our family; I mean all our families. I am not talking about just us, yeah. You know, I mean the pain. I mean, the, you you can feel the pain. I am yeah. sitting here now; I can feel the pain. No. And Simon Harris felt the pain from us. I know he did. I can see it in his face. And I uh, am sitting way I'm sitting opposite you, and I, sir. We were sitting opposite Simon Harris. That's how close mm. we were to him. And I could see it in his face that he understood the pain and the anger that we feel. And it's so important that you're able to
2: express that, that people know about the impact of something like this. 16 years later, Mm. it's still so traumatic.
0: Yeah. So and then we knew at this stage, you see, uh, that Beloy would be up for parole this year again. Because we had been approached by the guards just before we met Simon Harris, so that's why we, we took the opportunity to, to talk to him in person about our case, mm-hmm. specifically because we just we wanted we wanted them to hear from us just how hurt we are and how ripped apart we are as a family, and uh, like we, we said to them, that, like still, sixteen years later, nobody has knocked once our door and asked how's Jamie Campbell. From any any authorities body, like right. no, no, you know, it's yeah, just yeah. there's no there's support no join, there. Again, there's any, no joining Any the counselling and anything, we did it off our own back. Yeah, and you know, we did get we did get some support from the guards. Here's a number. Here, ring this this person. Mm-hmm. And such and such, but like nobody came to the house to say, "I'm from such and such HSA. I'm from this and from that." Here's here's the support for Jamie and yourselves, obviously, but Jamie, for Jamie, wanted yeah. we wanted it the most.
2: And what would you say then to the authorities and and the Minister for Justice, Helen McIntyre? Well, well, now, what, what support do uh, well, you see, victims... it's hard to pinpoint it, first of all... families of, of murder victims mm, need.
0: Well, first of all, I think there's no deterrent there even at the minute of 12 years you can get out of parole. You know, so I would say ha- raise the life sentence to, I don't know, 35, 35 years and a definitive sentence, not life means life and you can apply after 12 years. Like, depending on the crime, the right time that's what we would say you know yeah. if like in our case he premeditated this murder to stab someone 28 times and then to do what he did with her body afterwards yeah I know right like that's you know, to me that would be one of the, the most horrendous crimes in Ireland but absolutely it's, no it's definitely is. and the
2: utter lack of remorse and yeah. not only that and I and I'm sure and, and Trina will bring in here the fact that he is so deluded that he was blaming Kira, and that's another template mm-hmm. for for mm-hmm. a personality like his an abuser yeah. like him to blame mm-hmm. the victim isn't it Trina
1: yeah it's, it's very common um for somebody with that kind of antisocial personality to to victim blame and um, Michal, you talk about what he did, um, the actual enormity of the, the violence that he perpetrated against your daughter. Would you mind speaking to our listeners and, and telling, telling them what, what he did, his lack of remorse after he, he took her life?
0: Well, so where do you start? Like, like, to stab someone 28 times and the fashion he did, and then he wrote on wall on the wall in the living room with her blood. She cheated, you know. Yeah. Then, sure. then, in his own words, and this was in his own statement. This is not my words. He said to the guard that he had sex with her, or he had attempted to have sex with her body, with her corpse. Oh uh, yeah. As I say, that's his words, not mine. And then he he took care of his body up to the bath and tried to clean any evidence from her body he left her in the
1: bath and i think i think Michal, that's a seriously seriously psychologically ill person and how that person can be considered for parole after seven years or indeed 12 years i have to agree with you like he people people should be assessed mental health wise it shouldn't just be history you've got parole after you've got parole hearing after seven years or 12 years really we need to look at i agree with you and i think many of our listeners will agree with you sarah um what would you think about that
2: oh my god i think it's it's horrific as you uh-huh. say that he'd even be considered for it uh-huh. but I think a lot of families of victims often feel that Mm -hmm. the rights favour the accused and even the convicted Mm -hmm. sometimes in this case, that they they go through Mm -hmm. that procedure, they have a right to that procedure, Mm -hmm. and that you have to be brought into that and re traumatised again, which is horrendous. And I I know that Paddy Mm -hmm. has expressed the fear that he's going to harm somebody again if he gets out.
0: Yeah, we firmly believe that. After what Kira went through, we firmly believe that he will tell again if he's in it. I've no, I've no doubts about it. I told yeah. Simon Harris that I out, and he just looked to me and I said, "Simon, I actually just said, Simon, if you let him out, he will kill." Yeah. I said it to him just like that, the exact same way I just said it there now. Yeah.
2: And and also he spoke to an a fellow inmate, and and the fellow inmates found him to be a really dark individual.
0: Yes, yes Stephen uh, In ran a story yeah. not too long about about the parole board and, and the new concepts of, you know, of, of how to f- apply for parole and that kind of thing. I ran a story on how we met the parole board and uh, an inmate of Malaya uh, contacted him after the, the, he ran the story to say that Malaya actually had said to him in prison that he will kill again when he gets out. Oh my God. And I know, you, you, you know, people might doubt that or whatever, but the story was verified by the reporter. He, he did get in contact with the, the ex prisoner.
2: So there's no doubt in your Isn't mind it? but he's he's a very dangerous individual. No, without a doubt. But we have to I suppose it's very difficult from your point of view, but we ha we have to trust the authorities' decision making skills there, don't we, Trina?
1: You would hope. He's he's in now sixteen years. Yeah, yeah. But I do think there's a lot of there's a lot of flaws in our system. I mean like, every individual case is like that. Like, when, when Malai threatened Kira and said, I'm going to kill you, she never expected him to do that. You never expected them to do that. And it, it brings me right back to that first meeting that you had with a Michal when you first met him um, and that red flag. But it's so difficult for parents because she was a young girl and if you had said something, you might have pushed her more towards them. Like, it's so difficult for parents... And it, it, it's about that education piece, isn't it? It's about that support piece that victims need. But it sounds to me like your carer did absolutely everything she could. She planned to get away. She was happy that he was convicted. She she safeguarded herself. She stayed away from her home. She was let down. We there, There's a law in the UK called Clare's Law where if somebody is in a relationship with somebody who's violent, the, the police over there can do a safeguarding check. I really think we need to be looking at something like that in this country.
0: Absolutely. It sounds like a good idea. Right? yeah.
2: Because in terms of Kira, was she liaising with the Guardi on this? No. In terms no. of threats? Was she telling you guys because what was, was happening? She was
0: telling us the day, the day before it, as I say she came out with her friends and she left Jamie with us but I was actually in the kitchen making Sunday dinner and Kira sat with me for nearly an hour just talking about it. and she'd relayed to me then like about the latest that was going on in Malloy and like that that night when she went out the he night before stopped. yeah he, the night she was uh, she was out with her friends that night after she left our house he was actually there that night too mm-hmm. and he said to Kira's friends that he was that he would kill her if he ever found her with someone else well, Kara had been later, for me, her fears are after doing again. And I actually said to Kira that Keira, we're going to have to go to the garage, but just leave it with me. um, to see if we can get some names and go and talk to someone. And Patty, my wife, said the exact same thing. She was going out the door just the day before, and 24 hours later, that was around half three on the Sunday afternoon that we were in the kitchen chatting. And half three, the next door, I was sitting in the same room with two guards. Oh, my God. Do you know, That's 24 terrifying. hours later. That's what I've seen. You know what I was saying between that earlier the suddenness of oh, we we were just getting on with everything as normal, yeah. Yeah. and then all of a sudden, bang, yeah. Yeah. and your life's complete. What well, Kira's life was ended, and ours completely changed, forever, and that'll never go away. Like.
2: If anybody finds himself in a relationship that there are red flags, and I mean there were serious red flags there. Mm. And maybe Kira didn't feel that she would be heard if she mm. reported it at that time. It's a different landscape now, thankfully. And we have mm-hmm. a new agency coming up in, uh, you know, being launched in, in the new year. Um, but back then, maybe she felt that she wouldn't be heard or, or maybe believed or taken seriously.
0: I don't know. But Kira, the one thing, Kira was very, very headstrong. And if, you know, if she believes she can handle something, she believed that. Yeah. Very headstrong person. Well, it really was. And if she thought, as I say, like if I as you I said, you know, don't turn to somebody we're gonna have to do something about it. She said yeah. Yeah. But you know, I just, but, you know, she was still if she thought she could have sorted that out herself, she would have and she, as Trina says, she was handing things as you know, but yeah. you know, she'd got rid of him, she wanted rid of him, she got him out of the house. But what can you do if someone breaks into your house when he had followed you and he knew that Kira was in our house overnight I there know was, she was, can't have 24 know, hour security like there, was yeah, one, yeah. there was one night, one afternoon it could have been I was, it had to be July or August because I was on holidays and I picked Kira and Jamie up around 2 or 3 o'clock in the afternoon and uh, we went back to our house in Stradoff for the night and the next day I says "Kira, you want me to run you home she goes yeah and we uh, ran her back into Carlow town and I was just driving up and I looked up and I said, "Kira, why is your bathroom window wide open and Kira says, oh, uh, uh, the wind, w- there was actually a little porch, it was just at the door where I was that day, where Kara was, her last place going into the door. There's a little porch above it, Malloy must have got up onto the porch and into the window and stayed the night in that house. Because a couple of days later, when I kind of caught Kira unawares, I says, how come that window was open? She says, yeah, you're right, Malloy had broken in that night.
2: And had he gone when she'd oh, done yeah. it at that point? Yeah. So, so was, he was so trying was to just, scare her. It's just a scare tactic, yeah. yeah. and there he was probably a real, long build-up.
0: He, he kind of moved things around. So there was one time he, he moved. One time she wasn't in. He put in. He went into the house and he moved all our furniture and put it out in the front garden. Oh my God! You know, there was on another occasion our friends told us to set fire to the curtains, but we didn't know that. Right. You know, we, you know, we just didn't know. We found, we kind of found things out, that just surely after
2: it's again somebody with a history of violence who mm. as as Trina said should mm. have been in prison should you have know, been in prison it's it's as simple we've said as that all along
0: my lawyer should never have been on the streets he should not have been out from care. Would care be alive if he had been put into jail that day mm-hmm. and he should have been put into jail and he should, set, he should stay in jail forever
2: yeah Even and, and the fact that it was suspended you know he mm. would have been thrown straight back in again you would imagine
0: mm-hmm. Well, it was. I don't know if suspended that. or he was given some kind of probation. I don't know what exactly what it was, but he was let out on the street, even though he was found guilty of ABH. Mm-hmm. So, no matter what, what he got out on, he shouldn't have been out. Yeah, that's just that, basically, you know.
2: Yeah. And how is your wife doing now, Kira's mum, Paddy? How is she?
0: Uh just we get on day by day. That's about it. See how we get on. Let's say good days, bad days. Uh sort of look. She misses her. her. What can and, you say?
2: And that's one thing, Trina, isn't it? We we talk to so many people who have lost loved ones, children. And the impact goes on and on. And and, and I'm just going to ask you, how do you deal with this on a daily basis, Neil? How, how, how do you get up in the morning? How do you just keep going? Uh,
0: that's just hard to explain. You just... I don't know. Is it metabolism? I don't know. You just do. And you do it for Jamie and we do it for each other. We do it. Paddy does it for me and I do it for her. But you know, it's a roller coaster. You know, it's up and down, up and down, good days, bad days. Just, you know, birthdays, anniversaries. Mm -hmm. It just hits you. You know? Yeah. And then even like, if you see... A young girl walking down the street with blonde hair, person a farm or whatever, you just automatically say, "Kira," you know, just automatically. You know. And like for, I don't know, to lose your only daughter. I don't know. I don't know how. Just at times, just don't
1: know how. Mi- Michal, what, what you're doing here today by telling your story, I really feel is going to save somebody else. Because... People need to take threats seriously, and I'm not saying that Kira didn't. Kira did take his threats seriously, but but the the system and the safeguarding of adults in this country needs to be bolstered. It needs to be improved, and it needs to be totally overhauled, in my opinion. And I think by you coming on to speak to us in memory of your beautiful daughter is allowing people to know about her allowing people to remember her and I hope in some way it gives you comfort to know that by you speaking out about this horrific horrific crime that has happened against your family and your and your and your little girl that you are educating people and people are listening and like we're just so grateful because for you to go there I think Sarah you'll agree you can see the emotion and um, the trauma is still there your anger is still there i 'm righteous anchor if you don 't mind me saying um and i think I think you, your wife, and Jamie are phenomenal to continue to speak about this because it could be easy for you just to go away, but for you to keep coming forward, I think you 're phenomenal people. Thank you ever so much sarah and it 's so important
2: that you know people like you continue to be a thorn in the side of the different agencies that mm-hmm. are involved and mm. and the government and whatever government may be uh, mm. in place at the time to continue to remind them that, you know, there are families of victims who are really yeah. suffering and that, this, that there are support mechanisms that could be put mm. in place for families afterwards. But also, as Trina said, safeguarding of adults. Women, like if something like that, if there were threats to a child, the child would be removed from that situation and protected. Mm-hmm. What about... You know Kira and 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 people like Kira yeah. who are who are under threat, mm. you know, and and that needs to be brought in. And I know that they're they're looking at it, but it needs to be mm. something that's that's legislated for.
0: Yeah, I know for years like we were very very quiet after after we never even reporters were contacting the house, and I wouldn't talk to anybody, and Paddy wouldn't talk to anyone. And of course, Jamie was only a chap then, a young fella, so he wouldn't have been, he wouldn't have been able to talk to anyone. And then at one stage. I don't know. suffer just stopped and I says, "I don't know. We're the innocent people here. We've done nothing wrong. Kerry did nothing wrong. Yeah, absolutely nothing wrong. Why should be why should we be quiet about it?" Mm-hmm. And since then, we've done I've done lots of interviews. People do need to be informed. And some people asked me, and they asked Paddy, like, "Oh, you've done another article. You're in the you're in this paper. You're on TG Kahar You're on. We were actually on." Prime time as well, and you know yeah, yeah. whatever. And one person that says to me, Why do you do it? And Paddy has always the same answer. If it saves one more life. Yeah. And that's that's the answer. If if one if this interview saves one life, it's well worth it. Amazing. Yeah. And that's what Paddy, that's her answer to anyone that asks why why are you being so vocal? And my other answer is, Why shouldn't we be vocal? We've done nothing wrong, and Carrie did absolutely nothing wrong.
2: Michael, thank you.
0: Thanks very much. You
1: can contact us on social media at Real Lives Untold. Our email address is reallivesuntold at gmail.com. And don't forget to subscribe to hear this season's episodes every Wednesday. You can listen on Apple, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts.
2: If you have been impacted by any of the issues in this episode, you can call the Crime Victims Helpline, crimevictimshelpline.ie, free phone 116006. You can call Women's Aid on free phone one 800 or Men's Aid on 01554-3811.
1: Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter.